0: Welcome to the New Hope Leeward podcast. Can we give our creative team a hand for our infomercial? I'm sure it'll get more ridiculous every single week as we go on. My name is Josiah. I'm the senior pastor here at the church. Thank you again for being here. Happy Mother's Day. And you know what? I want to welcome this crowd too in in person and online. Welcome to all of you that your Mother's Day gift was coming to church. Like your mom guilted you into being here. We are so glad that you are here as well. We really are. We're starting this series called Tell the World. And we, we went with this uh, tagline, evangelizing without making it weird, because I, I think every single one of us, even those of us in church, we have had some kind of experience with a well-meaning, uh, albeit overzealous uh, Christian because let's be honest, every single church has weird people in it, except ours. Other churches have weird people in them. <laughs> that was a joke. Every single church. And, and I grew up as a pastor's kid, man. So I'm, I'm chock full of uh, stories of dealing with people like this. My, my favorite one uh, happened when I was uh, around like 24. It was one day after church and it uh, was over, everybody was leaving, and I had a really massive headache that day. And so I was literally like standing there, literally rubbing my forehead, and this guy comes up to me and he says, hey, do you have a headache? And I was like, yeah. And he said, I know, because I'm a prophet. So, okay, well, calm down. i like, <laughs> literally rubbing my head. He says, can I pray for you? And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm morally obligated that, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take prayer. And so he prays for me, and he does one of those prayers where he grabs my head, and he gets real close. Somebody already knows what I'm talking about. He gets real close. I don't think he brushed his teeth that day. And to add on to that, um, he was drinking that bad church coffee, you know, in the white styrofoam cups, that one. I I knew it because as he prayed, my mouth was open and I could taste it. You know what I mean? It was like that. And he started off, he started off his prayer. I don't remember everything about it, but, but I remember he'd said something like, Lord, I pray for Josiah that the, the fragrance of your goodness would fall upon him. And just, I was trying to look real spiritual. I was like. (laughs) And and then he he pulled away. And I didn't expect this question. He said, how do you feel now? Do you feel better? And I said, no. (laughs) And so he grabbed my head again. (laughs) And you know when they start the prayer with a heavy sigh? He went. (laughs) <laughs> like that, and he prayed again. And then he pulled back and he said, how do you feel now? And guys, I'm not proud of this moment right here, but he said, how do you feel? And I was like, I'm healed. And he was like, praise the Lord. You know, like, <laughs> And I was never sick around this guy ever again. It was amazing. It was, it was crazy. Most of us in church can point to some kind of bad, some kind of weird experience that we've had. And I think this comes into play when we talk about even the word evangelize. It's, it's a very loaded term. And so when we think about that, these experiences kind of flood back to us. There's a fear of looking like that person we experienced or making somebody else feel the way that we felt that day. We don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable. We don't want them to feel awkward. On top of that, you and I now live in a post-Christian America where it can be deemed in, uh, actually culturally insensitive or even taboo to share or talk about your faith. People are more skeptical of, of Christians and the church and even pastors than ever before. Barna um, did this study, and, and, and there's good reason for it. Like, I'm gonna be honest, there's really good reason for it. There are entire documentaries now dedicated to pastors that have you know, either taken money from their church or slept with their secretary or spiritually abused people. So much so. This is a true statistic. Barna does all these studies of Christians, non-Christians, they survey them. Barna found this, one in five Christians, okay, Christians, this is you, one in five Christians feel unsure whether pastors are trustworthy. And I'm like, what did I do? Is it my pants? Like, <laughs> like what's wrong? And a guy at the door after last service was like, it is, it is your pants, it's your pants. One in five Christians Barna also found that the the culture of our view of evangelism, it's actually changed over time. 25 years ago, 9 out of 10 Christians said that they actually believe it is our responsibility to share our faith. Not just the church, but our personal responsibility. Now, 25 years later, to our day and age, only about two-thirds of us, a little over 60% of us, actually believe that. And when you get down into the millennial generation and further down, it gets less and less and less. So it's trending downwards. Now, here's the problem with all of this. Culture may change. It'll trend in a direction, but culture will always change. And while it will always change, the words of Christ do not. While culture may change, things might be taboo or this and that, might change the way we need to go about this, sure. But the words of Christ to you and I don't change. Turn with you to Matthew twenty-eight sixteen, If you want to pull out your notes, it'll be in the apps, on the, it'll be on the side screens as well. Now these are some of, if not Jesus's last words to his disciples and to us. And he tells us what we are to do with our time between his ascension into heaven and his second coming, meaning the end of times. The time that you and I are standing in right now, what are we to do? And he says this in Matthew 28. We'll start off in verse 16. So actually even before he talks, it says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I love that Matthew includes the detail of doubt because he didn't have to. Now, even though all the disciples would come to fully believe, they doubted, distazo in the Greek. And it's, it's not a, a firm or settled unbelief. It means to waver. So it's a state of uncertainty or hesitation. Now, we don't know why they doubt. And it's not some of them. It says all of them worship and some of them doubt. So they're all worshiping him. They all believe, but there's this doubt that lingered. And scripture doesn't tell us why. Now, the doubt could have rested with Jesus. The cross was so brutal, it was so final, Maybe they felt it was too good to be true. If you buried your friend in the ground and you mourned and you wept over him and then they came back to life, might take you a little while to come around and come to terms with that. Maybe Maybe it was too good to be true. Maybe the doubt rested with themselves. They had failed Jesus before, but the point is this. I think the detail of doubt is in scripture for us. We have this tendency to believe that those that share their faith, they need to be really secure in themselves, secure in knowing everything about scripture, secure in their faith. And yet here Jesus tells flawed, unfaithful, and doubtful disciples to tell the world about him. So that means your past disobedience and your present doubt does not disqualify you. Let me give you an example. Um, true story. When I was 22 years old, I worked at Blue Hawaii Surf in All Moana. It was a skate and oh, mostly surf shop, and they had skate stuff there. If you ever went to Blue Hawaii Surf in the mid 2000s, okay, 2004, 2005, and you saw an emo guy there that had hair like this that looked like he should have been at Hot Topic, that was me. That was your pastor, okay? And so I, I, I'm serious. You'll be like, oh my gosh, I remember that guy. That's me, a lot skinnier back then, okay? So. I, I worked there and, and this is around the time that I came back to the Lord. So everything, I was getting baptized, all that, so reading God's Word, everything, uh, on me was saved. And some of you might relate to this. Everything was saved except my mouth. Okay. That was the one thing that the Lord hadn't really, hadn't really touched yet in my life. And I remember I felt for the first time in my life, I felt a calling on my life to move to California and to do youth ministry with my brother. It was the first time I felt God's calling and it was the first time I felt excited to tell people about what Jesus was doing in my life. And so I started telling my coworkers, like, I don't think I'm gonna be here much longer. I think I'm gonna be a youth pastor. I'm gonna move to California. I'm gonna do all this stuff. And this one girl that I worked with, uh, I don't remember her name anyway, so let's call her Minerva. So Minerva said this to me. So you know those girls that they, they, like the way they talk where there's no spaces in their words, where they're like, oh my God. Like, it's basically the way they talk in Kailua. So like, it's a, (laughs) okay, oh, calm down, all right. So basically like that, no spaces in her words, but she said something so good and I needed to hear it. And I'm gonna do it in her voice first and then I'll say it for real, just because I have to. She said, oh my gosh, I didn't even know you were a Christian, okay? And it, I didn't even know you were a Christian. And I worked with these people for years. And it cut, it cut me super deep. I was like, here I am, super excited to go, to go on this new assignment the Lord has for me while I'm standing in the middle of a failed one. And I didn't even want to go. Honestly, I was like, you know what? I should just call this whole, this whole thing off now. And thank God I didn't because that led to a chain of events that brought me right here. But it's this beautiful reminder that your past performance has not disqualified you. And if your past performance did disqualify you, there would be no one left. The disciples themselves, they would have been disqualified. There would be nobody left. So what matters now, so today, middle of May 2023, what matters now is not what your response to Christ calling what it has been. What is your response to him right now? Reading on from there. So he speaks these words. And again, these words are spoken to all of us. Jesus says, therefore go. Oh no, sorry, sorry. Verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So this is a, he kind of sets it up. This is an authoritative command I'm about to give you. It's not a suggestion. To give you kind of the image of if you've been in the military before, it's kind of the idea of like an officer telling a private his rank, like reminding him, here's my rank, here's yours, before you go and do this. Jesus sends us in his authority. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. These words were spoken to the disciples, but think about this. They were recorded for us. So Matthew, Jesus said it, they heard it. Matthew was jotting it down. And yes, he was jotting it down for the early church, but he was jotting it down for all history that this calling might one day be given to you and I. And it doesn't become null or void until you and I expire and we get to heaven. It's a really heavy call, and I think that's why you and I, we try to disqualify ourselves often or incorrectly apply these verses to, oh, it's for pastors or for missionaries. But whether we like it or not, these words are for us. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. After Jesus saves you, Jesus sends you. After he saves you, he he sends you. There is not one of us that has been saved without purpose. So we know that the Great Commission, it's a lot more than telling people about Jesus. It's a lot more than just living out your faith. To disciple people is to actually have relationship with them and live life with them as you are teaching them. To baptize them means to welcome them into the family of God. It's not only just the dunking in the water, although it includes that too. But if you think about it, when we talk about evangelizing, yes, it is discipling, baptizing, but really it must start somewhere. And it can't start anywhere if we do not tell them. The Great Commission is a shared call for every single Christian. No one is called to reach everyone. No one is called to reach no one. Everyone is called to reach someone. And this might sound big and it might sound above your ability, and it is. And Jesus knows that. And this is why Jesus, he ends with these words. So after he gives you and I the call, He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So to the doubting disciple back then and to the doubting disciple today, he starts off with himself. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, here's what I want you to do. And if, oh, by the way, you're still feeling a little bit unsure or insecure in the end, don't worry because I'm not just sending you, but I'm going to go with you. That you will not carry on the work alone. You can write this down. Where Jesus sends, he will supply. So after Jesus saves you, he sends you, and when he sends you, he will supply. I'll give you an example. Say after service today, I come up to you in the foyer and I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit hungry. I'm always hungry after the 11 o'clock service. And so I'm a little bit whiny and I'm like, can you go to Panda for me? Two choice plate, fried rice, sesame chicken, beef broccoli, oh, veggie spring roll. Oh, can I get the Pepsi? Like keep adding on, right? But it's just for me, it's just for your pastor, okay? Now at the end, you might pause and hope that I like, you know, I pull out a 20 and I give you something. But say I give you nothing, Okay. Now, you might love me enough. I would never do this to you, but you might love me enough that you go to Panda and you get me food, okay? I want to say this because I think it's important because you might go to Panda because I said sesame chicken, but the Panda Express workers do not get paid enough to deal with you and I because I don't know if you've noticed this, but when the Panda Express worker is scooping your fried rice, you're like this. (laughs) So much pressure, yeah? Yeah. Making sure you hook up the orange chicken. That's so much pressure. Okay, now you might go. Now you might go and grab my food for me. Okay, let's do another scenario. Now say after service, I say, hey, can you go and grab panda? I need you to grab it. We want to feed the entire church after service. About 30 pans, something like that. It's all told, totally ordered. I just need you to go and pick it up. And then I say, okay, thanks. And I walk away. Now you might, I would hope, okay, I, I would hope your next question to me would be the same for all of you, is you would say, Pastor, you got any money, okay? Because you know this is going to be like $800, okay? You, you might say, Pastor, you can send me. Like, like, I'll, like, I'll go and get it for you. You can send me, but it's a little bit beyond me. You're going to have to supply. If the call was, was mild, if the call to reach the world was small, if it was like grabbing one little plate from, from Panda Express and paying for it, then Jesus would have stopped with the command. All authority in heaven has been given to me. Therefore, here's what I want you to do, period, the end. If that's all that it was. But because it is so big, it's bigger than you and I can cover ourselves. This is why Jesus sends, I'm not just sending you. I'm going with you. I'm supplying for you. And what he supplies us with, is the exact same power that he had when he walked this earth, the Holy Spirit. Now, Acts 1 is another one of those kind of last words of Jesus that are recorded. And he says this about our call, and he says this about the Holy Spirit. He says in Acts eight, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, witnesses is one who retells what they have seen and heard and experienced. And it's interesting here that Jesus doesn't say, you should be my witnesses. You're gonna become my witnesses. I recommend you are witnesses. No, no, he says, you will be. It's a statement of fact rather than a command now. Why? Because it's a natural response to the power that resides within you and I. Not only does Jesus send us, but He supplies us with the same power that He had. Think about when you read how He walked this earth—the same power to do, um, the same power to do miracles, the same power to love people well, the same power to serve. It was the power that enabled Him to wash feet, the same power that enabled Him to persevere in the face of persecution. And it was the same power that sustained him in the face of suffering. Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 1 the same power that raised Christ from the dead resides within you and I. And daily the Holy Spirit. Now I felt led to say this last service, and I feel led to say this this service. So this is for my this is for my kids right here, it's for my friends. that that mom might have made you come to church. I know there was a saying growing up, we all grew up in church, it was very complex, right? There was a saying, Jesus is always watching you. You know, it was a threat. And now in your older years, I say this as a source of comfort. Jesus is always watching you. Meaning as you struggle to make ends meet and relationships have broken you, And you feel alone and you feel tired and you feel lonely. That Jesus is always, always, always with you. He's always with you. And I know it was a source of threat in the past. But maybe it should be a source of comfort to you today. Church, would you say amen to that? And wherever you've gone, wherever you go, Psalm 139, whether you you, you rise on the wings of dawn or you make your bed in hell, wherever you may be, that the Lord is with you. And the Holy Spirit, he's he's with each of us and and he's supposed to help us every day. He's described as a helper. And so he helps, he comforts, he convicts, he guides, and he speaks to us. Now, Christians, would you think about it this way? Not only does he do those things, but also every single day, he helps, he comforts, he convicts, he guides, and he speaks through us. So what he does in us, what he does for us are the things that he does through us as well empowering us to continue the work that Christ started. For you and I to carry the good news. And can we just be honest? This is not good news. This is great news. That you and I get to tell people that God has not given up on them. That wherever they've been, whatever they have been through, not only does the Lord know exactly where they are, but he actually and completely loves them. More than I could even contribute with the English language, that he has a plan and a purpose for their life. That they don't exist as a random set of molecules floating on a rock in endless, lifeless space where nothing matters. But rather, breath was, it was breathed into their lungs for a purpose and for a reason. They are known, they are loved, and they are made for so much more. This is not good news, friends. This is great news. Would you say amen? amen. It's great news. And sometimes, this great news is our best kept secret as Christians. There's a lot of reasons for that. I actually don't say this like in a condemning way. I say this as somebody that is with you. There's a lot of baggage in our day and age that comes with Christianity and religion. A lot of people have been through a lot. And so there is a fear for us of not wanting to offend, especially here in Hawaii. We don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. And I think it goes even deeper than that. I think beyond all of that, I think for you and I, many of us carry a fear of failure. There's a fear of rejection, a fear of saying the wrong thing, a fear of being ridiculed, and God knows this. And so in in 1 Timothy 1.6, Paul is talking to his protege, Timothy. And he he says this to Timothy. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So Timothy is doing ministry now. And Timothy is feeling a little bit timid. And I got this really dumb thought the other day and I felt like I should share it with you. If Timothy was timid, we could save some time and just call him T- Timidity. Okay, so <laughs> I, know, I know I'm like this all the time. Like my poor wife, I'm literally like this. I can't turn it off. He's timid. Now what Paul is reminding Timothy, who's feeling a little bit timid, he says, you don't need a new drastic anointing or gifts, you already have it. You just need to fan into flame. You just need to use the gifts you've been given. You don't need to go out and get some new special training. God has already given it to you. You don't need to restart a dead fire. You just need to kindle the one that is already there. You already have everything you need. Not because it's found within you and you're the answer to everything, but because the Lord is with you. And he says this in verse seven. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. It can be translated here, we've not been given a spirit of fear, but he gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Some versions say a sound mind, kind of having an even spirit. Because if you and I are just power, we're just like a bull in a china shop. We make things worse. And so the love and the sound mind, it balances out the power that we have. We have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power. Power to do more than we ever could on our own. Power to be bold. A power to move beyond the confinement of our fear. And I want to end with this, because I feel like, again, fear is this thing in in the background of this conversation when it comes to telling people or living out our faith. And fear is kind of like this silent, uh, invisible dictator. And it's always at work, and many times we don't realize it's there because the evidence of fear is not found necessarily in the things we do. It's found in the things that we don't do. And so fear, what it does is it silently kind of boxes us in, especially when it comes to the Great Commission, especially when it comes to relationships. That I, I want to trust people, but I have been hurt before. I want to join an Ohana group. I know that I should, but what if they ask me a question? I don't know. What if they don't like me? I want to serve, I do, but what if I'm no good? What if I fail yet again? I want to tell people about Jesus, but what if they think I'm weird? What if they reject me? And fear, what it does is it creates invisible walls that push and push and push you and I, and they kind of box us in to what I would like to call, and this is gonna represent this thing that I just dumped all this stuff out in my garage, okay? This is gonna represent our comfort zone. And so our comfort zone, it, it, fear, it boxes and boxes and boxes us in until it puts us in this box. And all, all of us have one. Now, now, some of ours might be a little bit bigger than others, but we all have a comfort zone. And the problem with the comfort zone is I really like it in here. I, I, could, spend, I could spend my entire life right here. And I might have a boring life and I might not get a lot done. I will never discover all God has for me, but I could die happy just living nicely and neatly in my comfort zone. I can do pretty well in here on my own. And I think why I love my comfort zone so much is I don't really need God much when I'm in here. I can, I can step over here on my own. I can do it all in my own power. I can move over here on my own. I can actually be a Christian and reside completely in my comfort zone, embracing the parts of my faith that I like and the parts of my faith that make me feel comfortable. And the parts that I don't, I can kind of leave them out there as things that I should do or things that I might do. I I have things on my list. I know I should do these things. They just kind of reside out there. And Jesus, when he calls me to do anything beyond my comfort zone, same for you, calls me to do something that's a little bit scary. I have a tendency to go like this. I just want to ollie so bad. Okay, so I'll just, <laughs> I will go as far as my comfort zone will allow me to. And I'll kind of do it. I'll do it a little bit. And I'll kind of scoot over. And we also have this tendency of, you know, we finally begin to step out of it. And, and then something happens, right? We tell somebody about Jesus and they ask us a question. They're like, well, what about dinosaurs? And you're like, well, okay, all right, I'm back in here. You know, like, <laughs> I can't answer that one. You know, I don't know how those bones got there. Or we step out, it just happens a lot of times, man. And, and it's okay, it's okay to laugh about because I've done this too. We, we say something like, hey, we should all join in a honor group or serve. And you guys are like, on Sunday, some of you are like, yeah, and you, you sign up for it. And then we call, you, uh, we call you on Monday and then we text you on Tuesday and you're nowhere to be found because you're back in here, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's this tendency, we get really excited and zealous at certain times and it's good, it's so good, it's so good. But we have this tendency to kind of drift back into it again and again and again. And and I think, okay, this is a this is a theory of mine. Okay, there's a lot of reasons why people leave their faith. A ton. This is not the only reason, but I think one reason why people leave their faith is they just get bored. It's boring to exist here within your comfort zone. You come to church and we talk about abundant life, about the plan God has for you and you you only hear about it and you never experience it for yourself. You will be so so bored. My sermons can do it for a while. You will find after about 4 years I just kind of recycle my jokes at that point and it's just the same. It's just the same because I'm not I can only be entertaining for so long. You are not made to reside within your comfort zone. Because here's the thing, you can write this down. Jesus is always calling you. You can put it on the screen. Jesus is always calling you beyond your comfort zone. Always. If we've been given a a spirit of power, the Holy Spirit gives us power, then that means every single day he is calling you out here. Why? I can step in here on my own strength, but when I step out here, I cannot do it on my own anymore. This is the place that I get very, very humble. This is the place in which I realize, man, I cannot do this without his help. And you know what? This is also the place that I feel like God does some of his best work. When Josiah is in over his head, and I have felt like that many, many times before, that is where God does some of his best work. When the odds are stacked against us, that is where God does some of his greatest miracles. Would you say amen to that? This is the place that, that God grows us. And I, w- I would almost go as far to say this. When we step out of here, not, not only is bondage and fear broken, but when, we, but when we step out here, I really believe this. We grow because growth happens almost exclusively outside of your comfort zone. You can grow in here, but it will be stunted. And the beautiful thing is, as we step out more and more and more, this comfort zone, it gets wider And wider and wider. This is where your relationship with him comes alive. This is where you discover that this is so much more, so much more than just going to church. And so in this series, and and I'm, I'm not saying like I'm not saying you got to come out of the gate tomorrow, friend, and you got to get to work all fired up from the pastor and walk into work and be like, hey, pastor told me everyone's going to hell, okay? So like, just don't, please don't do that. Please don't do that. And if you do, tell him you go to a different church. Don't tell him you go here. Don't do that. Because why? It's power and it's love and it's sound mind. I've been... Uh, I did this research, very loose research, eight years ago. I I decided to do it again more recently. It's a really good exercise to do. You gotta have thick skin to do it. I asked uh, all my Facebook friends that are non-Christian and that are de-churched, meaning they went to church at some point and they don't go anymore. What is your view of of church? What is your view of Christians? And I said, can you you message me? Because I don't wanna start a war in my comment section, right? I was like, can you just message me and I, 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 I wasn't prepared for people being like, here's why I left your church. Okay, so I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for everything that I got, but it was so good. It was so good eight years ago. And it was so good today. And I'm, I'm trying to, do, it's, it's definitely gonna shape my message next week because we're gonna talk about how to share our testimony in two minutes. Not an hour where you, you take over the whole conversation. Two minutes. How do you just share your testimony, what Jesus has done in your life? Pastor Alec is gonna walk us through how to share the gospel with somebody if that door opens. Pastor Art is gonna walk through serving like Jesus and how that brings people closer to him. But for my message next weekend, I'm debating how is it really gonna shape it? Now, here's kind of two takeaways that I've come away with after this rough research, and I'm still getting messages about this too, which is really good, is number one, we do have a lot of work to do as the church. We have a lot of work to do. But number two, and this is the most encouraging part, I feel like, friends, I feel like the door is cracked open right now for the world. I feel like people are seeing that the world is really, really jacked up right now and it's only getting worse. And they're trying to make sense of their chaos. And so I'm not saying that we got to come in, we got to rescue them. We're the answer. We're not the answer. Jesus is the answer. And so if the door is slightly open, how do we just open that door a little bit more? And a little bit more and a little bit more. And that's what I want to talk about in this series. Really, my hope and prayer is that we would walk away equipped. Even if you don't go and you step outside of your comfort zone this series, but you're equipped that when the door opens, you're ready to step through it. Would you bow your heads with me, church? I want to, I want to pray for us as we start this series. And I'm going to pray for something that we might be afraid to pray for, is I'm going to pray for some opportunities for us. Lord God, you are with us and you know us and I have this belief, God. There's a lot of things that we call a coincidence in this life. There are a lot of things that we say just happen. But I really believe, Lord, that your hand is over all and it it touches all. And so even those that are here today, whether they feel close to you or, or far, whether they feel called or not, there's a reason why they're here in person or online. There's a reason. And God, I pray that you would crack open the door this week with certain people. And some of us, cause here's the reality. There's some of us that we're gonna be too scared to walk through. And we're gonna let the moment pass us by. Would we not sit in shame and in guilt? But Holy Spirit, you are, you are not just one who convicts us, you teach us. And for those of us that we walk through the door and we kind of stumble through our words, trying to talk about Jesus, trying to invite people to church and we feel like it's fallen on deaf ears. Lord, we just understand that you smile down upon your children. I pray that you would give us opportunities this week and that, Lord, you would help us begin to step outside of our comfort zone. We don't need to jump out with two feet, but would we begin, because as we do, we're gonna trust you a little bit more. And when there's less of us, naturally, Lord, there will always be more of you, more of your power, more of your love, more of your grace. And if we could be honest, we could say this call is beyond us. It is beyond us. You know that. And that's why you walk with us. Would you fill us with your presence? Would you equip us in this series? And I pray just because of this time we're taking together, I pray that people would come to know you. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your matchless and holy name. And we all say together, church. Amen, amen. Happy Mother's Day. We hope you were blessed by this weekend sermon. If this is your first time joining us, we welcome you to check out our website, newhopeleeward.org, to learn more about us and how you can get connected into our Ohana. We hope you'll join us again soon.